What a great time of worship. Thank you, worship team. I had to smile a little bit this morning, uh, listening to the kids' voices during when we were singing about being a child of God, and I thought, how many of us don't wish we were that free? We sing about being a child of God, but uh, they're walking it out. They're walking it out for us to see. Welcome to the family room of Revelation Rock. I'm trying something new today. I apologize, it may not work. Technology and I aren't best of friends, but I'm trying to use an iPad. And to show how much I trust it, I brought paper copies of everything. Uh, good morning and welcome, Rock family. Welcome everybody that's, if you're visiting, if you're new here, you're welcome. This is our family room and we try new things here. We're not afraid of trying something new and it might not work and then we might tweak it and try it again or we might just try it again. First off, I'd like to thank you, thank each of you who have given self, selflessly to help my family. I'm going to read this so I make it through it all. <clears throat> thank you to each of you who have given selflessly to help my family, given of your time, your resources, your abilities, and the list goes on. Thank you to every member of our leadership who have pinch hit for me in the last, pinch hit for me time and time again and been filled with spiritual understanding this past several months. Thank you for all the food, for all the financial gifts, the thoughtful cards, the time spent caring for my wife and kids during the very darkest days of our lives, the yard work, the house cleaning, the incredibly selfless ways that each of you have cared for my family have not gone unnoticed. We've been incredibly humbled and are overwhelmingly grateful for each of you. For anyone who may be joining for the first time or listening online or unaware of what I'm talking about, <clears throat> I'm going to do just like a five-minute testimony this morning. Again, I wrote it out so it's not doesn't get real, real long. It's not all about me at all. I would only like to share the 30,000-foot view for reference so that you may gain some understanding in the shift that may, you may perceive taking place in my preaching, not in content, but in urgency. On August 4th this summer, we traveled north to spend the weekend and part of the next week visiting some friends and family. Upon our arrival, we decided it was a beautiful evening for some skiing. I went and skied, and then my wife went to ski and wound up breaking her leg, part of her leg. The following week, Melinda was scheduled for surgery to repair her broken tibia. The tibial plateau was fractured. It was split, and then a piece of it was broken. August 10th, the surgery was a success. Eight long weeks ahead, and she would be walking again. Now to get through her not walking for eight weeks with our three kiddos. If you don't know, Taya, our oldest, is six. Rhett is, was three at the time. He's four now. And Rip was eight and a half months at the time of her accident. Also, Taya would be starting school the following week for the first time, which is a first on several levels for us. Needless to say, everyone and their brother pitched in to help us out. Melinda's mom put a schedule together of people who were willing to help out, many of you, help out with caring for Melinda and the kids during the day so I could work some. Tons of folks pitched in to feed our little family. Though it was a difficult season, it was an opportunity that we experienced the body of Christ in action in spite of the difficulty we were walking in. As time wore on during the month of August, we began, believe it or not, to run out of grace for each other. Our little kids all contracted strep throat and then decided sleeping was overrated. 
with less sleep and all the extra stress, I also contracted strep. We were just about at our wits end, and then on the night of August 30th, we got the phone call that Melinda's dad had been killed in a freak lawnmower accident. That evening, after he had mowed our lawn to help us out, it seemed as if the bottom had just given away beneath us. The calluses that we felt had grown over the last month since Melinda's accident were ripped off, and we were raw with emotion and pain. I say all this to lend a little context this morning. Um, and every message that I preach in the coming weeks, the time for mincing words is past. It's imperative that we walk with absolute clarity on what the most important thing is. As I shared at Mike's service, and I've shared with many of you personally, I know that Mike knew Jesus. I know that he walked with Jesus. He told me with his own words, he believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have no question about where my father-in-law is at right now. I have some questions about what it's like there, but I've never been, I don't have a question that he knows the Lord. But it's important uh, that we acknowledge this life is a vanishing vapor. Sometimes we get caught up in our little doctrinal disputes or our little details about this and our details about that, and we miss, we lose focus on what actually matters most. Now, this isn't some fear-filled preaching people out of hell message this morning, but this is the strongest exhortation I have to give each of you to propel you into whatever the Lord has laid on your hearts to do. If there's a sermon on your heart, let it rip. If there's a ministry in your bones, let's go. If the Lord has called you to it, you are here for such a time as this. We are not to idle in this life. I use the word idle in that way because I think of an engine idling, and one of the worst things for most engines is to sit there and idle. It's not great for them. It doesn't make them strong runners. We are not created to idle through this life. We've been commissioned as officers in the most important army that has ever served. Our culture has fallen in love with lazy, sleepy, pew-warming, behavior-grooming, lukewarm Christianity. It's my prayer that my words this morning and every message I preach would serve as reminders of the war that we are in and the war that we are winning. Militarily, if an army discovered their enemy was sleeping, that's the perfect time to attack and rout them. At Revelation Rock, we may not be found as many, but we will not be found sleeping. We are at war and will behave as such moving forward. It's ours to carry the gospel to the lost. If you sit here this morning and tell me you don't know a lost person, you aren't looking. They're everywhere. Schools, factories, stores, even American churches are populated by people who haven't heard and don't know the good news of Jesus Christ. We are commissioned to carry this good news, and there is no greater commission on the face of the earth. Nick, could I get you to play that audio? Today's reading is from Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 5. And it came... We start with the miracle of Acts chapter 3. Everybody's familiar with the miracle in Acts 3. I'm sure you are. Many of us have shared about this, but you see... In the beginning, we see a 40-year-old man who had never walked, just been miraculously healed. Peter and John were just on the way to the temple. There's so very much of this life in our call to minister the gospel that isn't on scheduled ministry points. 
It's not conferences or meetings even to help people. It's so often that we encounter what God has called us to do, the people that need the gospel on the way. This is a tidbit at the beginning of this story. We're going to look at a few different parts of this story today, and I promise I'm going to do my best to not go really long this morning, but I think about this point to, just to get us started. They were on their way. Acts chapter 3, we didn't read all of this, but we see that Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. They were on their way. They didn't go looking for a sick person. They didn't go looking for somebody who couldn't walk. They were just on their way. They encountered him, felt the move of the Holy Spirit, and healed him. Most of the ministry of the church today is not to be from up here at the pulpit. This is not. People think, oh, you're in ministry. No, 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 you're in ministry. I'm just equipping you. My, job's, my job is to equip you to do the ministry. My job is to be equipped when someone else is speaking to go and do the ministry. This isn't the ministry. This is the equipping. The ministry is out when we're on the way somewhere. And when you encounter somebody that needs the gospel, that needs hope, that needs healing, look around at our society. Our society is lost for hope right now. We've got hope. All you have to do is go on the way somewhere and you will encounter someone who needs hope. As I shared when I started, uh, if you don't think you know a lost person, you're not looking. They're everywhere. And it might be a found person that just needs reminded of hope. I know I've needed reminded of hope this last summer. This miracle, though, we're going to keep moving. This miracle results in an impromptu sermon from Peter, which agitates the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Now, something that the Lord kind of highlighted a little bit for me here is I thought... We understand when we read the word, we understand like, well, the religious leaders were in opposition to the early church. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the scribes, the leaders of the synagogue, they were in opposition. Why exactly? Have you ever stopped? Like, why would they be in opposition to this? Well, remember, Matthew 28, the distance between Matthew 28 and where we find this story, where we pick up the story, isn't very long. Weeks. It's a few weeks. Anybody remember what happened in Matthew chapter 28? We're going to read Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. Same bunch of guys, okay? This is the same bunch of guys. Verse 11, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. Anybody got something that just happened? Just shout it out. What just happened? What are we talking about? The, starts with an R. It's a big word. The resurrection. So these guards had witnessed this earthquake, the stone being rolled away, an angel coming down, big deal, was the resurrection of Jesus. They had wit now they came and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. What is this, like holiday pay? Oh no, this is hush money. Let's not mince about this. This is Keep your mouth shut. Here's a big bunch of money. A large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night. We're rewriting the news here. Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. This is the story. Burn it in your brain. Now we know if you read the context of Matthew 28, that ain't what happened. Jesus came out. 
The disciples were terrified. They hadn't, they were, there was no body snatching in them. They were hiding. So they pay him off, say, this is the story. His disciples came at night and stole him away. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. It's important to note that this story, Matthew chapter 28, was a matter of weeks before we see Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful, healing the lame man. Preaching a message, people get born again. If you turn in your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 4, where the reading was from this morning, you'll see Acts chapter 4, verse 1, it says, we're going to read 1 through 4 quick. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Same group we just read about. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Remember, they just bought a different story than that. <laughs> they paid good money for a, good sto- for a story that was different than this. They laid hands on them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4, enter the Holy Ghost. However, many of those who heard the word believed. This is a little, you know, part of a sentence. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. Oh my goodness! They go, they're walking on the way. We're going to the temple to pray. We encounter this dude. Hey, you know what? He can't walk. We don't have any money. We don't have anything. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Take him by the hand. As they picked him up, his feet and ankle bones received strength. He's like, I can walk. And he goes walking and leaping and praising God. That was like, we preach that like it's this, this thing. It's just this great story. And it is a great story. What happens next makes that look like peanuts. That's a big deal. Amen, that's a big deal. If you've ever been paralyzed or experienced somebody that was paralyzed, been around somebody who couldn't move something, my wife had her knee isolated for a few weeks and that was a big deal. Nothing like what this man endured. It's a big deal. But 5,000 people just got born again. Which one is greater? The, The miracle was, it was just preliminary. We preach it and it's great to preach, but what happened next makes that miracle pale in comparison. We see the religious leaders' plan that they established in, in Acts 1, 4, 1 through 4, we see the religious leaders' plan begin to unravel. And it's unraveling at a fast pace. What happened to tell everybody the disciples came? Oh, heavens, now there's 5,000 of these people. This is growing like gangbusters, and this isn't the first message Peter preached this problem is getting bad exponentially for the religious leaders. I mean, it's, we're multiplying it by the thousands. Each time, they, each time these guys open their mouth, this news goes, I mean, there's no putting a lid on this anymore. It's went viral at this point. Suppressing the truth with lies. This is their plan in Matthew chapter 28. The religious leader's plan, let's suppress this. Just keep it down. If we can just keep it down, get a few, a few weeks, a few months, a few years between us and this resurrection of this Messiah, if we can get some time between us, it'll buy us a little time. It won't ever, it won't ever take off like a wildfire. Unfortunately for them, but fortunately for the gospel, truth always wins. The greater pressure always wins, and the greater pressure is always on the side of truth. Acts chapter 4, verse 7, we see them served up the perfect question. If you were listening along and paying attention, 
We see, came to pass the next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, as many as were the family of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. Verse 7, when they had set them, who's them? Peter and John. When they set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this thing? That's like, oh, to be asked that question. It's, by what power have you done? I, I think they, they came alive. Something came alive on the inside of them. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, verse nine, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel. Like at this point, I, I, we just gotta get in the story just for a moment with these guys. We've, we've experienced Matthew 28, they think we're ahead of this. We're ahead of the problem. Yes, something miraculous took place Potentially and most likely based on the life that Jesus had lived for three and a half years of ministry he conducted, he was probably alive based on what they, the guards reported to them. But they're in front of it. We've got in front of it. We've got the thing down. We paid off all the eyewitnesses. There's no more eyewitnesses to this deal. We paid them good money. It doesn't say they offered them a little money. It says they offered them a large sum of money. Paid them well. Story, we're out in front of it. Whew. A little bit of time goes by, everything seems pretty quiet. Then the Holy Ghost comes, and the lid gets blown off of it, but they kind of, let's get it hushed back down. And Peter and John are just walking along, they heal this guy, preach a message about it, now 5,000 more people get born again, and something I'm not trying to bash these guys, because they were, they were religious leaders, I'm not, but in what world do you think, would they think that this is a good person to give the mic to? Every time Peter opens his mouth, bunches and bunches of people get born again. And here you are as the religious leaders. We're trying to suppress this whole Jesus resurrection thing. Let's ask Peter what he thinks. It's just, I mean, think about this rationale where it's like, what are the odds that he preaches another message and that more people get born again? And really, I mean, from an analytical standpoint, what are the odds that he's going to listen at this point to whatever they say? But they continue on. And this is what we're going to, we're going to draw some stuff from this today. Verse 12, nor is our salvation found in any other. Peter answers with clarity and with certainty. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He says to them, if we this day, we just read verse 9 and 10, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, he's, it's, he's being very thorough and very clear Peter will not be misquoted from this. Let it be known to you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in case there was someone else claiming to be Jesus Christ from a different town, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you crucified, who God raised from the dead, oh, there it is again. By this, by him, this man stands here before you whole. So now, not only did he reiterate that Jesus was raised from the dead, but he pins this miracle on him. This, the stone that was rejected by you builders, has become the chief cornerstone, referencing Jesus. Verse 12, nor is there salvation. He goes on. At this point, whoever tossed him the mic is like, we should have never asked him what he thought. We should have just stoned him and been done with this. 
There is sal- nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13 is kind of, this is where we're, we're headed to today. There's a couple, of, I guess there's a couple things I want to draw out of 12 first. Nor is our salvation any other for no other name. We sang about this this morning. Under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. This declaration always reveals boldness. Anytime we draw the line of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the only way for salvation, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. It's the only way. There's no exceptions, no additions, no corrections, no Jesus plus anything. It is Jesus. You draw that line in the sand, and it always reveals boldness. In our culture today and in their culture then. But interestingly enough, literally every other name under heaven wants to be the name by which we need saving. I was meditating on this, thinking about this, and I was thinking about we do name brand recognition and every name brand wants to be your savior. Now, you might think, oh, I don't know if I've ever seen a brand saying like, we'll be your savior. No, not using those words, but that principle, it's like, imagine if you only had this pair of boots, we would save you from any other, from, from a sub quality of work life. You need these boots. You need these jeans. You need this truck. If you had this truck, we would save you from mediocrity. If you would only have this specific truck, if you would only have this certain phone, imagine how full your life would be. And they all have very established logos, don't they? That's the first thing you gotta do if you're gonna start a business. You need a logo. And you need to push that logo. And you need that logo to be seen as the savior of the world. And I say that, that sounds like tongue-in-cheek. I'm not, that's not anti-Jesus. I'm saying every name wants to be this name. That's, I mean, what is, it could be uh, insurance companies. How many of you could list at least three insurance company jingles? Almost everyone. They're just very catchy and they pay good money for them and it's like some of them are really irritating, but they want to be your savior. We'll save you. In the event of a catastrophe, we'll save you. Just know the right jingle and we'll be right there. We'll be on your side and all kinds of other things. Governments want to be your savior. I can't remember exactly. I think it was Ronald Reagan, but I don't remember for sure. It said, the, what is it, the nine or eight or nine, I didn't count them out, worst words. It's like, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Government officials, governments, that's, we're in, can't, we're in, Political season now, right? It's like all the ads and all of this. It's like we're, we're ramping this up. Like who's going to do the most for us? Or who's going to do the least for us? Whichever side of whatever thing we're on. It's like everybody, they're our savior. Get the right red or the right blue or the right name or the right yard sign and they'll, they'll fix us. I'm for all of these people running and participating in all this stuff. I'm for products. I have products with names on them. I'm not opposed to logos Phone service providers, employers, everybody, I mean, benefit program providers. They want, you gotta get your name out there. We gotta get your name out there. Cigarette companies used to do it. Alcohol companies do it. Pop, bratwurst, manufacturers. Like, you cannot have a successful barbecue without the proper bratwurst or hot dog because they look more fun. 
that will save you from mediocrity. Do you understand how effective this principle is? And it's all drawn, it's all taken. Jesus said, I'm the name by which you must be saved. If you have nothing or if you have everything, this is the only name. You can have all the brand names or you can have no brand names. And if you get Jesus, you win. If you lose Jesus, you lose. Jesus is the name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Side note here. Name branding has been a thing for a long time. I, I think about this like Harley riders, Jeep people, Apple and Android, the list goes on. Every company or organization has realized the effectiveness of the name recognition getting their logo out there. Interestingly enough, logo comes from what root word? Logos, which is the word in Greek. It's an interesting little like, there's some little, it's, I can get lost on that, but I'm not going to. Verse 18 of Acts chapter 4, we see, we're at the point, I mean, this is a yard sale for the Pharisees and religious leaders. This is not going well. 5,000 guys just got born again, and what can we do about this? When they saw, verse 13, the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. We'll note here, and I think it applies to so many of us in different ways. I've had a lot of personal conversations with many of you over the last summer and last years also. But I think about how many, how many times people, how easy it is for us to say, well, you know, I'm not that. I've heard several of you, well, I, like I'm not good with words, like I'm not a preacher. Or I'm not good with this. And I'll, I'll tell you, well, I'm not good with that. And we're like, we're identifying with what we're not. We're not educated. Not trained men. And yet, the boldness of the Holy Ghost, the religious leaders, the ones who were educated and who were trained, marveled. The most important sentence in that verse and they realized they had been with Jesus. They realized these guys haven't been educated and they haven't been trained. They've been with Jesus. Being with Jesus trumps any level of education, any level of training, any level of preparedness. Being with Jesus is the ultimate preparation. Verse 14, seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They are backed in a corner with no way out. When they had commanded them to go outside the council, they conferred among themselves. Like, we gotta figure this out. This is a problem. Verse 16 saying, what shall we do to these men? (laughs) I love, it's like, we've gotta do something to them. We, We have to do something. We can't, this is not, we can't just get behind this. We know they were with Jesus. I mean, there's so many little things in this story that it's like, Maybe just stop and don't do anything for a minute and see what happens next. No, what are we going to do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. It doesn't say they don't want to deny it. It doesn't say they won't, wouldn't try to deny it, but we can't deny it. Everybody saw it. Now all these guys got born again. Like, now what are we going to do? But 
so that it spreads no further. This is their last ditch effort to suppress this message. It's not their last one, but it's the last one in this story. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. That from now on they speak to no man in this name. Okay, just polling public opinion here. They, every time Peter's preached, thousands of people get born again. And a couple of people who've been standing in opposition to him for three and a half years, four years at this point in time, tell him, we're going to do something really nasty to you if you do this again. It's like, public opinion is largely in his favor. Thousands of people and a couple of guys threatening. Did they have power? Did they have authority? Absolutely. But he had the masses. Three, like, I just don't understand what they were getting at here. I don't want to lose my train of thought here, but I just... What were the, we're going to threaten them severely? They had, he just preached and 5,000 people got born again. What are, what are you going to threaten? Anyways, carry on. Still that it spreads no further. Speak no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus, but Peter and John. They answered and said unto them. They didn't sit and hesitate. They didn't pause. They didn't say, we'll pray about this. They said, they answered and said unto them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Give you something to pass the time. Verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, after that rebuttal, they threatened Peter and John. And Peter and John are like, listen, whatever you guys figure out, that's fine, figure it out. But we're carrying the gospel. We can't help it. Well, let's threaten them a little more. Further threatening, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. There was no denying what happened. They would have loved to deny what happened. They would have loved to hid what, it, what, what had happened. We know that these, this group of people was not above bribery. They would have loved to bribe this story quiet. But at 5,000 people, that gets expensive. Money that they didn't even have. How are we going to shut 5,000 converts up? We can't do it, but if we can shut the source up, maybe we'll threaten them. We'll threaten them some more. Maybe this might work. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. So what do you do if you're Peter and John? And there's a point. I'm getting to a point here. What do you do if you're Peter and John? You can not preach. You can go on, just kind of wait and see what happens. I love that. Pick up in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions. They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand, your purpose determined beforehand to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants 
that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together with was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I spent uh, a lot of my growing up, later growing up years, going to a place called Silver Lake. Uh, there's, if any of you have never been there, it's a bun- they got a bunch of sand dunes that you can run ORVs on. Trucks, Jeeps, four-wheelers. Now it's all side-by-sides and whatnot. At the time, it was a lot of buggies and a lot of dirt bikes and whatnot. And uh, there was a specific trip that I was on. One of my best friends had built a side-by-side buggy. It was a, like a small version of a long travel buggy. It had a lot, of, like, a lot of suspension. The wheels would move up and down, and you could just float across rough sand. And he built it out of a, had a motorcycle engine, and the thing was super fast. And we had found a really nice spot at the last dune. I was riding a four-wheeler at the time, and a group of us were riding four-wheelers. We had found this nice place at the end of the dunes, the last dune, that was just a beautiful jump. I mean, it was just nice. You just, just float, and it was nice landing, and uh, we had been kind of looping that spot for a while, jumping, and we were taking some pictures and taking some videos. And, um, well, he comes along with this two-seater buggy. And it's had plenty of power to do the job. And he, he takes off, and we, we, had kinda sh- we had told him, you know, if, if someone's on the top of a hill motioning to you, you're good to go on the other side. You're not going to jump into somebody. That was how we operated at least then. And uh, so me and a good friend of mine, were at the top. We were taking pictures of people jumping. Our group was going across jumping. And uh, my friend had a video camera. So he's video. This is back in the video camera days. We didn't have cell phones with cameras. So there was like one and then another one. And it was like, it was just beautiful jumping. And here comes my buddy with his two-seater. And he's got one, another one of our friends is with him. There's two of them. And they're flying up here. Get to the top and you could hear it. You could about tell what was going to happen. Got to that last like 10, 12 foot of the sand and you could hear him let off. And the worst thing to do when you're jumping at Silver Lake is to let off at the end. Because when you let off the throttle, the front of your machine, whether it's a dirt bike or a four-wheeler or whatever, comes down and when you leave the sand, you start to nose over. And wouldn't you know it, this thing was fresh paint, brand new, I mean, built this thing from the ground up. And we had, we had a video clip for a while. We didn't get the whole rollover. But he came up and nosed square, 90 degrees with the earth, sheared off the A-arms on the front and rolled end over end. And nobody was hurt. The buggy was very hurt. Had no front wheels on it when we drug it off there. It was just the front pushing in the sand. Everybody had their harnesses on and everybody was okay. But I think about that and that's, that is the story that I was on my heart when I was preparing this. And Trey has spoken many times about it. You've heard, if you've talked to Trey for about 10 minutes before, you've heard him use this phrase, full send. You usually case it on the sand dunes by letting off. More accidents occur there by letting off the throttle than staying in the throttle. Whether, whatever machine you're running up there. And my encouragement to us this morning in light of the last six months of my life, in light of this story that we've just looked at, is whatever the Lord has laid on your heart, squeeze that throttle and hold it. 
don't let off and don't let up the best chance of end over end over end. The best chance of a wreck is by letting off. As we study the word of God, we've been commissioned, and I talked about this in the very beginning. Each person in this room, if you know Jesus, you were given not only right standing with God, but you were given a commission as an officer in the military, the greatest military that's ever walked the planet. We're carrying the gospel, doing battle against darkness. And I'm telling you, church, it matters what you say. There's a whole group of Christianity right now that believes whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. I don't believe that. And I don't believe Jesus believed that. Because why, why else would he have commissioned his disciples to jobs that wound up most of them dying horrific deaths? It was to carry a gospel, to establish a message, the eternal message, the only message that matters. I can stand up here and I can preach a message about self-helps. And there's all kinds of self-helps in the Word of God. I'm not mad at self-helps. I can teach you uh, marriage classes out of the Word of God. I should probably go to some, but I could teach some of those. We could teach principles about parenting. Also probably should attend some of those. But we could teach all kinds of business principles are in the Word of God. All that's fine. And you know what? You guys can, I could equip you to have excellent marriages and be wonderful parents and raise Big businesses that have tons and tons of income and tons and tons of employees. And if you miss the gospel, it's pointless. If we miss eternal goodness, momentary greatness is irrelevant. Eternal, this is, eternity hangs in the balance. I, you know, I don't know how all of our lives are going to finally end up on this earth. And you know what? It's irrelevant. When eternity is locked down the way it is for us as believers, it is sealed, locked down. We become free. We're free to live. We're free to, just like my buddy on his two-seater going up the last hill, just squish it and see what happens. Send it. Whatever God's laid on your heart. I, there are ministries that are in seed form in this room right now. There are parts of this ministry that are still in seed form. They're tiny little seeds. And right now we're in the middle of harvest around here. And you see what seeds can grow into. You see what seeds can grow into. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Now it might, you might think, well, I don't know about like a big organization. It doesn't have to be a big organization. It can be just something as simple as someone that the Lord's laid on your heart and you say, can, you eat, can we eat lunch tomorrow together? Or talk about the gospel. Lucas, you want to come up and play some piano for me for a little? It might be something as simple as stepping out in faith and saying, I've never, I've never participated in that before. I feel this stirring on the inside. Maybe I'll help with that. Maybe I'll do that. It may be continuing to do what you're doing, but I, I came this morning with strong conviction that in, we see in verse 29 through 31, now Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I believe with everything inside of me that this body is carrying about this message of the gospel. As I talk to each of you throughout the weeks, Sundays, Mondays, whatever, whenever we interact and we talk, I see a certainty of the gospel. This group of people, you have been equipped. Years of Jerry speaking and Tom speaking, Martin Trey, Valerie, all of the people that have come and shared the gospel, you guys are equipped. You got it. This group is equipped. You may be like, well, I didn't come here to church to like sign up for anything. That's fine. The Holy Spirit will sign you up. Whatever the Lord's laid on your heart to do, you, you may be, the enemy's always going to be throwing in uh, it's like, you know, if you would have known, how, if you'd have known me when I was in high school, you wouldn't want me to help with that. Well, lucky for you, I didn't know you in high school. It's not our qualifications that make us fit for this. If the Lord has put something in your heart, whatever the thing is, it might be a big thing and it might be something that you think, well, that's hardly noticeable. Just do the next thing. Just say the next thing. Carry the gospel one person further. You see, this whole deal started. 5,000 people got born again. They end up, a whole group, the end of uh, chapter four, we see they all spoke the word of God with boldness. What did that start from? The seed form of that was Peter and John on the way. They're on the way. What's that on the way look like for you guys today? I don't know. I mean, I could sit here and speculate. It could be going to the store. I always use that because I love to go to the store. There's all kinds of fun people at the store. It might be something simple at your job that you currently work at. It may be a thousand different things. It might be suppliers. It might be distributors. It might be family. That on the way, you choose to speak or you choose to not speak. I feel very strongly that as we move forward, just like when you walk outside today, from the last time I preached till now, it's a different season, isn't it? It's altogether different. As I look at what everybody's wearing, there's no question. It's a different season now, isn't it? And I thought that this morning as I, I walked outside early this morning, I was going out to chore, and I thought, what a clear picture. It's a different season now than it was when I preached six weeks ago or five weeks ago whenever I preached last. It's a different season. We're coming into a time that's, that's not like the last one. And I, like, I'm excited about it. I look at this body and you know, we might not be many, but we will not be found sleeping. We will be about our Father's business. And it might be a little bit of a stretch. It might be, I'm not sure about that. Trust the Lord. Take his hand. Let him lead you. I will tell you, it's going to be a good walk. You might be a little tired sometimes. But it's okay. He gives you rest. If you would stand with me this morning, I'd like to dismiss us with a declaration. Thank you all for having grace for me. I'm getting the rough corners knocked back off. 
I'm excited to be back sharing the gospel. We got some exciting stuff coming up in the next few weeks. But this morning, I'd like to declare over us that we are a blessed people. The word of the Lord will go forth from our lips and from our lives with boldness. I speak peace this morning over each of our lives that knowing who we are in Christ, we are free to live this life with the absence of this world's uncertainties and fears. We declare with the word of God that we are blessed in the city and in the country. We're blessed when we rise up and when we lie down, so much so that our blessing is not a function of our circumstances, rather is a function of the word of God alone. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee, they run scared in every direction when no man pursues, but the righteous, those who are right with God and know it, those are bold as a lion. We declare this boldness this morning over this body. As we walk from this place today, regardless of what calamity we may encounter this coming week, may we meet it with absolute peace, knowing that the author of life itself has justified us and given us life everlasting with him. Bow with me if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are here with us in this place. Thank you that you have called us by name. You have made us your children. Lord, I thank you for all that that entails. We are your children. You've more than adopted us. You've given us your very blood. Father, I just pray a blessing over this body as we go from this place, safety and a hedge of protection. And as we just declared, Lord, I just pray that boldness would well up on the inside of this body as we go from this place that those ideas, those things that are in seed form in the si- in, inside of each of these people, each of your children in this house, that someone would water them today. Maybe my words have watered them, that, that we would continue to water them and, and grow them into fruition. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the time of harvest and the realization that harvest is for us. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys are just-